Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. When there was something that was outside of my comfort zone, I would work with that organization kind of on a project base. So it's like my entire career wasn't dependent on me doing that, that out of my comfort zone thing, but I can do it as a project on the side until I develop my confidence. And then I can just jump in with both feet. And doing it that way really helped me, you know, overcome my fears as well as build a reputation because eventually people are just like, wow, he just, it looked like I just jumped into new things, but I'm like, no, I kind of, you know, ease my way in. Hi everyone. And welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers. Now you've just heard from this week's guest mentor, Terrell Turner. And Terrell's a rather special guest for us because not only has he had a very interesting finance career, which you go through but he's also the creator and host of Business Talk Library. It's like the podcast that, as a finance professional myself, if I hadn't done Strength in the Numbers, it's definitely the one I would have done. It was born out of a desire to help struggling business owners. And Terrell's bringing his finance and accounting experience from his days in Fortune 500 business segments to helping those startups. So, as you could probably tell during the conversation, Terrell and myself get on really, really well. Terrell shares fantastic insights, particularly the three building blocks that underpinned his career progression in accounting and finance. We go through those. He also gives some great advice and examples on how we can safely push ourselves outside of our comfort zones, you know, rather than just taking leaps into the unknown, how to, how to do it in a bit more of a controlled manner. And also the story on how Business Talk Library came about and came into being, in case any of you listening want to go and set up your own podcast. So look, hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do, you can find out ways to connect with Trell, the show notes, key resources mentioned and more at sitnshow.com. And as always, we really appreciate it when you recommend the show to your colleagues and friends. You can subscribe on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify and Amazon Music. And that's enough for me. So without further ado, over to Trell and the show. Trell, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's our pleasure, Trell. And I know we've had a couple of conversations already, really had a great time. You've got a fantastic profile for a finance professional. What you've done is is amazing. And I'm delighted you've embarked on the journey you have. So rather than me explain what you've done uh, and your journey in accounting finance, would you maybe take our audience through that, please? Yeah. So, I mean, like many people in accounting finance, my career started in public accounting. I mean, I studied accounting in school. I went into public accounting. I mean, for me, it was a great option because I really wasn't sure what aspect of business I wanted to work in. But I knew that, you know, if I went into public accounting and I did auditing, I could learn about so many different companies. And I mean, like what other situation would they let a young 20 something talk to senior executives (laughs) (laughs) other than auditing? So. It's so, so true. <laughs> it's like normally most people, you know, you spend like five to six years of your career before you actually have a one-on-one conversation with someone at that level. But as an auditor, 
since nobody wants to do auditing, it gave me a chance to get a shortcut to it. So I did that for a, for a couple of years. And then I moved over to industry after the, the 2008 financial crisis. I moved over to work for a manufacturing company. And there I started really doing more than just accounting. It's really mm. how could I use the accounting information to help drive operational decisions. So I worked a lot with either manufacturing operations specialists or plant managers. And then I moved up into, took a you know promotion, moved up to like the Chicago area and I started working in engineering. So doing finance, helping engineers understand finance, which is not a world that they want to live in. Um, so, <laughs> so it really made me see the value that I added as a finance person. And then from there, I worked in investor relations, which was like a whole whirlwind of change of, mm. again, working with the CEO and the CEO staff of a Fortune 500 company, helping them craft the messages that they were going to share with Wall Street, having to sit through very tough conversations and, you know, being fortunate also to have like, you know, there were some institutional investors that were billionaires that would come in to be able to sit in the meetings to hear the type of questions that they would ask our senior executives. So it really caused me to grow a lot. And then I took a finance leader role down in Brazil. So moved down to Brazil for a oh, year, wow. did some FP&A work there. And I came back and eventually moved on to work for a General Electric and did several finance role, finance leader roles within GE's aviation division which is a great experience, exposed me to more of how do you use finance to actually make decisions. And then, like I said, I, I worked for it with a tech company. We went through where well, we actually bought two different companies for 20 million and 22 million. And we raised about 60 million in private equity funding. And then after that experience, I decided to, you know, branch off to go do my own consulting. And so now I'm in that area where I'm taking the wealth of the experiences that I had to do my own consulting now. What an amazing journey. And by the way, we've not even finished describing it yet. <laughs> you know, but, but, but no, seriously though, uh, like like the, um, I think one key thing that stands out to me in that one trail is is growth. You seemed, you seemed very much to try, or open anyway, to try new experiences and use the platform that auditing gave you to step into new and new areas. It just seemed like it was a natural progression to go to all those various different roles, get closer to investors, and in fact, essentially become a business owner yourself, right? Was that always a strategic case? Is that what you were aiming for? Or did you sort of fall into it by accident by thinking, oh, this could actually, I could actually do this? I will say, I mean, going into it, I knew that I wanted to work in some form of business. And I was like, you know, I, I had an idea of I wanted to own my business at some point. So part of the going and auditing was like, I mean, just like most people out of college. I mean, I didn't grow up in the home with business owners. My father was a career military um, medic. So business wasn't like my background or wasn't in my family. So auditing gave me exposure so I could start to understand it. And then I would say the different roles that came up were, I mean, some of it was by happenstance. Some of it was by strategic positioning and, and some of it was just relationships I built the, along the way and mentors kind of nudge me in one direction over the other. But I mean, a, a lot of it was, like I said, just being open to try new things. And when opportunities came open, it's just like, hey, 
I'm actually a little nervous about this opportunity, but like step up anyway. <laughs> step up anyway, yeah. Just just get on with it anyway, like, you know. Um, like obviously that's how you set yourself up. But for our listeners listening in, like, is there any other things that they can do to get get their heads right to deal with pushing themselves outside the comfort zone? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, when it comes down to your comfort zone, one of the things that someone said to me very, very early on, is like, you know, if you stay in your comfort zone, you probably will achieve just a little bit more than what you already have. It's like, because everything in your comfort zone is what got you to where you are now. That's why you're comfortable with it. But if you ever go further than where you are today, it's probably going to be you doing something that's outside of what you're comfortable with today. And I think after hearing that advice and really kind of pushing myself to where, you know, there was still some part of me that was still a bit nervous. So what I started doing was even like throughout my, my, you know, my career is just when there was something that was outside of my comfort zone, I would work with that organization kind of on a project base. So it's like my entire career wasn't dependent on me doing that, that out of my comfort zone thing, but I can do it as a project on the side until I develop my confidence. And then I can just jump in with both feet and doing it that way really helped me, you know, overcome my fears as well as build a reputation because eventually people are just like, wow, he just, it looked like I just jumped into new things, but I'm like, no, I kind of, you know, ease my way. In. Yeah. 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 That, thanks for clarifying that because like, please, how the heck did you do all of that? I said, uh, it's like, yeah, no, that's, uh, there was a method behind the, the, the mayhem or the madness, like, you know, so no, no, I love, I love that. I love that. Thanks for sharing that Terrell. Um, I, I do mean to ask, we have a lot of our audience in, uh, obviously in the States and you said you, you did a stint down in Brazil um like like how did you find brazil was it was it was it much different because it was a, a a business it wasn't that different like how did you get on down in brazil i mean it was good and and i'll, I'll sort of start off with the way that it, it came out was just a comical situation because at the time you know the young lady i was dating who i'm married to now so my wife she had lived in brazil at at one point when she was younger so she was fluent in Portuguese. And so I knew that my company had some people who went down to Brazil to work. And so I reached out to like the HR the person, person for finance. And I asked like, hey, I wanted to find someone that has gone to Brazil that has used the Rosetta Stone because I wanted to learn Portuguese to impress her. Oh, <laughs> um, so... oh I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I sent that email like on a Friday. And then that Monday morning, you know, she contacts me back and she's like, hey, it's funny that you brought that up. We need a finance leader to go down to Brazil. If you go, I'll pay for the Rosetta Stone for you. <laughs> and I was like, sure. <laughs> it, 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 it probably, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how the accountant's mind here, right? Most accountants would be thinking, actually, something for free? Yeah, I'll do whatever. If I get something free out of it, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so that's brilliant. Isn't it funny how you, like, you just, on the off chance, you reached out to HR and, and the opportunity was there. So obviously, I take you just grabbed it with both hands, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I just grabbed it with both hands, jumped in, and I would say, I mean, getting there, it's like, I knew that the language, the official language was Portuguese and I'm like, okay, I, I don't know Portuguese. So I started with the basics on a Rosetta Stone. I got there. I think, you know, it wasn't until like I went out to eat by myself 
that I realized, oh, wow, like culture shock. Like I like the waitress that I had, she didn't speak English. I didn't speak Portuguese. The menu didn't have pictures. And I was just like, how am I going to order something? <laughs> so, 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 so what did you do? Did you do a load of hand signals or pointing or like, what did you do? I would say for the first three and a half months, there were a ton of hand signals. Now, I mean, <laughs> it worked out okay because a lot of people at work spoke English. And so, you know, for me, it was like really at work, I was okay. But when I would go out or whatever, it's like really having to develop friendships with people who spoke English. And, you know, for me, it got a little frustrating because I'm like, man, there's so many great people that speak Portuguese that I could be developing relationships and friendships with, but because I don't know the language. And so what it really did is it, that was a situation that pulled me out of my comfort zone to really stop using the language as an excuse for not developing a relationship. Because what was funny is some of the people that I developed relationships with, they really didn't speak you know, English that well. And I didn't speak Portuguese that well. So exactly. we yeah. use, yeah, we use my broken Portuguese, <laughs> their broken English, and we were still able to develop a relationship. And I would say out of all the business experiences there, I would say that was probably the number one is teaching me how to work through barriers to develop relationships. Because in Brazil, if you don't have a relationship, you are not going to get cooperation from other people. That is a really great point for our audience. And again, whether in the Latin America side of the world, the Americas, over Europe, Asia, Middle East, I think that goes a long way. That that lesson is is you need relationships yeah. to even begin, you know, to start start adding value. You know, um, and that language one's interesting. I I remember I I went to the my first ever French restaurant, and we learned French at school. Terrell, um, I think it was mm-hmm. a school in England, and I learned it there, but. Learned French. So I went to there. I was staying in a hotel at a business meeting the following day. I went to the restaurant, and in England, you say, "Can I take a chair, please?" You know, like uh, because you know it's just a polite way. You know, can I sit here? And I said it in French, literally. And then I got the strangest look back from the waitress. It's like, "What? You want to take a chair out of the restaurant?" You know. And she said back to me in French, "I said, no, no, no. You know, can I sit here? You know, order food." So, like, yeah, it's funny that language barrier. Yeah. So it it, it definitely pushes you outside your comfort zone. But ultimately, long story short, we probably both got fed. You got fed. I got fed. In the end, yes. and we're still here talking. So, you know, lesson learned. But uh, no, but seriously, relationships are key. And and actually. I think that comfort with having conversations and, and drumming up relationships, that's probably fed in, I, I imagine, Terrell, some way to your, your your career as a podcaster. I mean, you have an awesome podcast, Business Talk Library. Do you mind maybe sharing a bit with our audience about that? Yes. So Business Talk Library was an idea that started from, you know, I had some friends that don't have business backgrounds, but they had questions about business. So instead of like answering everybody's question individually, I just started creating videos and creating content. And I was apprehensive to it at first, but my wife definitely encouraged me. It's another one of those stepping outside of your comfort zone. We started in late 2019, just decided to actually start interviewing other people. And so we started interviewing other people. We do like 20 minute interviews where we're interviewing business leaders, entrepreneurs, as well as college professors, just talking about you know, their journey, their path and the business or the work that they do. And then we wrap up every interview with, you know, important question is what's two pieces of advice that you would share with other people based on your profession? You know, it's gone well. We've we filmed, what, 148 interviews since March of this year. 
we've been really busy, but it's been very fun sharing content and getting the message, helping so many people share their story. Yeah, and, and to, to, I want to reinforce it's not often we get other podcast pros on the on, on the show, but you're not you just don't do a podcast. You actually film it as well. There's so much extra effort that goes in when you film it. And I can speak from from, from experience here. So, you know, I, I think it's a credit what you're doing. And actually another thing I never said to you when we last spoke was if I was to do a different podcast to strength of the numbers, you're doing the podcast that I would have done. It's it's such a great <laughs> thing. No, seriously, because so much there's so many lessons out there, right? And there's so, mm-hmm. you know, like there is that gap. Uh, if you look at entrepreneurial startup businesses, 80 to 90% of them are still failing within five years. Yeah. You know, there's so much benefit they can get from the finance world sharing what we know um, and, and learning from others' lessons so we don't make the same mistakes. And that's what I love about your questions is you're not frightened to ask, you know, what, what uh, you know, are the big mistakes you've made or how have you learned from them? Mm-hmm. Um, to speaking of which, actually, I've got my favorite episode, which is the one you did with the, um, the CEO of Freeman Capital, Calvin Williams. Um, well, what was sort of your favorite mistakes or, or advice given on the show so far to date? I know you've done a lot, but if you were to pick one or two bits of favorite advice, what was what would they be? I would say one of them that is actually coming out in two weeks. So it's the, the CEO of uh, AGB Investigative Services. So it's like one of the largest private security and investigation companies in the U.S. When talking to him, one of the things that he said that's really stood out to me was failure is feedback. And a lot of times when people fail at something, you know, they just kind of give up. But he was like, you know, you have to look at every failure you have as feedback to tell you and to teach you something. And if you look at it that way, when you hit a roadblock or you get a no or you don't, you know, succeed at something, it's not a sign that, hey, you should just give up. It's a sign that, hey, there's something for you to learn and you can keep going. That is a good one. Speaking of which... What's been the best bit of it? I mean, would that be the best bit of advice you've received to date? Or is there another bit of advice you say would be very useful for audience as well? I will say, you know, I sound a little biased because I am an accounting and finance professional. But I think <laughs> some of the advice, and I've heard it multiple times. And I will say, whenever I have guests on my show, I usually don't tell them that, you know, my background is accounting and finance because oh. the show is really all about their business. But there have been several business owners that have been on that are not accounting and finance. And their advice is you have to, if you're going to be in business and you're going to be successful, you have to get comfortable with understanding what your financial statements say. And whenever they say that, I'm always super excited because I'm like, you know, from yes. a business standpoint. <laughs> Sorry, it's the actions. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. From so your video, business... Tony, yeah, you're, you're on video. So like, you have no escape for that, like, you know, that's what I'd be doing, jumping up and down. Yes, they get it. And I would say, I mean, from a business standpoint, I, I think that your financial statements will tell you the story of your business that maybe your employees are afraid to tell you that maybe you're, you know, you, you won't hear from your customers or maybe you just won't actually face the honest feedback. But it's like, when you actually look at the financial statement, it's going to tell you a story about your business. You have to develop the skill. It's almost like learning a foreign language. You have to develop the skill to be able to read the story. And I think that, you know, if you don't have an accounting and finance background, working with a person who does understand accounting and finance definitely helps you understand that story. Because when you understand that story that your financials are telling you, you now have a lot more clarity about the decisions you need to make going forward. 
Yeah, that's the uh, tagline now we should put for the rest of the profession in the future. I don't think we appreciate it. No, but seriously, like when you stand back, and you just as you were saying, that was like going through my head all those times that whether it was historical looking information or forward looking models that, that, that integrate all the, the financial statements together, it allows you to tell the story. And we're very, we've been trained to do that you know, and, mm-hmm. and make a real difference with businesses. We line, we're not making the decisions, but we line it up in a way that, that it helps those people running the businesses uh, make the necessary decisions. We should never underestimate that. Maybe I think where some of us might be holding ourselves back is we're not necessarily pushing ourselves outside the comfort zone. You know, we've yeah. got this tremendous skill, yet maybe we're just a bit frightened to, to demonstrate it or something. There's some, something holding us back. And one of my favorite uh, sayings that, that you say, actually, uh, Terrell, is enjoy the process. Uh, you know, what, what, what would you, how would you describe that, Terrell? Why would you say enjoy the process? I mean, I would say enjoy the process because, you know, what you're going through today will actually be something that will be very useful for you later. And I think back, even at the start of my career, I mean, when I went into public accounting, you know, I had the, and yet at the time, unfortunate pleasure of doing physical inventory. If you've ever gone into public accounting, you know, auditing physical inventories is not fun. <laughs> well, well it dep- depends what inventories they are. I, I, I was, once I almost had to be, what was it, airlifted into um, no, a barge with this um, ferrous metals on, right? To count metal, you know? Or I did end up in a luxury apartment counting, um, what was it, very rare vases or vases, I think, I think they said. So, yeah, it's interesting, right? But go on, where are you going with that one? Because I couldn't resist getting that in. So, <laughs> so I mean, for me, it was, it was really, like I said, I, a lot of, I mean, I'm in the eastern part of the U.S. in North Carolina. So a lot of factories in the area. So, you know, I would often find myself in the middle of nowhere, uh, whether it was New Year's Eve or like the week of Christmas or the week of Thanksgiving, like in the middle of nowhere in the wintertime outside counting whatever. And it was unpleasant. I didn't like it as much. But, you know, in auditing inventory, one of the things that I will say that opened up huge opportunities for me is I will say the leadership positions that I got when I moved into industry was because I understood inventory accounting. Now, at the time, I hated doing those inventories, <laughs> but it was, as you know, a couple of hiring managers told me, it was the deciding factor between no. me and another person. <laughs> actually, actually, for you, Mitch, I, I remember going to an interview once I had no idea about inventory accounting that's why i didn't get the job right so <laughs> seriously and that was in the uk so i tell you you're onto something there terrell <laughs> but, but but no that, that, that's a serious note like i'm sort of more on the revenue side now and i think it is key it's like using that skill to understand how what we do feeds into the various financial statements in that area mm-hmm to tell the story and you know you'll be at the decision making table all the time if you can do that absolutely absolutely so so look i again want to be respectful of your time Terrell. uh we've had a great conversation if our audience wish to continue it where's the best place to connect with you at yeah so you can um visit our website is www.businesstalklibrary.com there as soon as you come in the site and we've just done some renovations of the site so as soon as you come in you'll see all the shows that we're doing the interview series 
the accounting and finance series that I'm doing. I have other hosts that are actually part of the Business Talk Library team. Their shows that they're doing, the career show, as well as my wife just launched the Business Talk Library in Spanish because she's fluent in Spanish as well. <laughs> unreal. Seriously, unreal. <laughs> so we're, we're creating a network there uh, over at the Business Talk Library. And then there you also can see the link where you can actually you know, if you're a business out there that needs services from, you know, our CFO consulting, you can access that on the website as well. And then also, I mean, on LinkedIn, I, I do connect with a lot of people on LinkedIn. We post content daily on LinkedIn between interviews and original content. And we're posting like two to three times a day on LinkedIn and other social media. But if you look for Terrell A. Turner, comma, CPA on LinkedIn, you can definitely find us. Awesome. Terrell, thanks for all those those resources and I'll put those into the show notes and online. So just, I suppose, in terms of wrapping up, you've been a fantastic guest uh, for us, uh, shared fantastic advice. Are there any maybe other parting thoughts you could share with our audience before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, to reiterate that point on enjoying the journey. I mean, for, for me, it was, it took me time to really grasp that. But I think that that is very vital, whether you're in a career or whether you're in your own business or whether you're investing, it's really embrace the fact of what you're doing today will play a role in where you're going in the future. And I think sometimes we get so focused on trying to get to the destination that we don't fully maximize what we're doing today. But I think when you really do maximize the opportunity that's right in front of you, it will open up even more doors than you realize down the road. And I think if you embrace that, it will change things for you drastically. Brilliant advice to end up on the, the show on. So Terrell, thank you so much for coming on Strength in Numbers, investing your time with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.